Two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. We are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hello. And I am Sabrina. And we are on the road. Beep, beep. Performing our live show, Two Girls, One Ghost at The Conjuring House. We are in the middle of this now. Middle of September. End of September. Where are we? I have no idea. We are in the throes, surrounded by hauntings and haunted people. And we are consuming ghosts. They are consuming us. Per- perhaps we are possessed. And we really hope if you have not got your tickets yet, we still have a whole month of shows. We'd love to see you. Our Halloween week is going to be a marathon of shows in some of the most haunted places in the United States. Oh, I can't wait. All yeah. of these venues, all of these cities are so haunted, but the fact that on All Hallows Eve, we'll be in some of the spookiest cities makes me so excited. Yes. And you know what? There's also some hauntings that have been happening around me. When I say around me, I mean some of the people that I've recently been with. Oh. So while we ask that we get to see you all on tour, I'm going to tell you some stories that I collected over this past week. Okay. Starting off with my friend, Allison, who has told me many ghost stories. She's the one that lives in Marblehead, but her parents live down in Alabama and her dad bought it's sort of like his way into his retirement project. He has this office that he works out of that's like an old garage and he's been restoring it and converting it. And he's had a lot of paranormal experiences that have happened there. But recently two things happened. One was that the light switch was being turned on. And let me show you a picture of this light switch because this is like, it's one of those light switches that's really stuck. Like you really have to use a lot of force to turn this light switch on. Oh, it's like an old, like if you think of like an auto body shop sort of light switch where it's just probably like so much grime and dirt all around it. That is what it looks like. Okay. Okay. There's, it was a video, so it's going to be a little bit covered by this. Let me try to, can you see that? What? Yeah. So it takes a lot of force, he said, to turn the light switch on. And it was, he was in there when it got, it got turned on (gasps) and pulled over. And then he saw a light, like an orb come through one of the rooms and went through him, like came at him, went through him. And he said it felt like, he didn't think it was an evil presence, but he felt like someone was annoyed with him. He said it felt like if someone kind of like bumped you and kind of like went into your shoulder, that's what he felt like. Isn't that wild? It's so physical. It's so physical. But he, he, I guess, was theorizing, or at least Allison was telling me that he was theorizing that perhaps it was someone else who previously used that space. I think it might have been an auto body shop or something before then. And this guy is just not. Perhaps it's the old owner who doesn't quite understand that it's not his and that it's getting restored. It's not being ruined. Yeah. So yeah, there was a little bit of a warning there. Yeah. Like that's like an aggressive, like get out of my way. Totally. Yeah. And then, okay. So I was just in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is where a lot of my family's from. And I was with my grandparents and I was also with my cousin Lainey and I have ghost stories from both of them. Lainey hates when paranormal activity happens to her. She's so scared of spirits. And 
She had a weird thing happen when she was sleeping. She woke up and looked out of the window and there was this orb that was just kind of staying there, staying in place, kind of just like gently floating in this one spot. Like watching her almost? Yeah. And it looked like it was right beyond, like it it was in the neighbor's yard. So she was looking out into her backyard and could see just beyond the fence into her neighbor's yard and saw this orb just kind of chilling there. And then after staring at it for a while, there was a big flash, like someone, she said it, it looked like someone put a spotlight on it. Oh. But the spotlight didn't really appear to be coming from a house. So she wasn't sure what it was, but there's this big flash of light that went on the orb, but then the orb stayed there. So then the aliens. Yeah. So then the next day she went to investigate and she walked the dog over there and was looking all around for anything that could potentially be this light source. And she couldn't find anything. And she's telling me this. And then she was like, oh, yeah. And grandma and grandpa are are experiencing some hauntings right now, too. I was like, what? Why didn't they call me? My grandma says that she has been waking up in the middle of the night hearing people talking and it sounds like a radio is playing and as soon as she gets up and starts walking towards it once she opens her door when she gets about halfway down the hallway it will just stop so she's catching someone or something does she recognize the voices or anything like i wonder no but i think where it's coming from because she said it sounds like it's coming from from in the house and her describing walking down the hallway and where the noise, like where she's walking to is the room that my mom and dad experienced that mother Mary statue. (gasps) Oh yeah. Starting to play music. Like this music box was broken for years, like decades. And it started playing when they were in there. And so there's something in that room and that is the guest bedroom. And so the next time I have to go there, I'm sleeping in that room. (laughs) Well, good. You'll be able to update us personally. Yeah. Anywho, anywho, goats are always present and they're coming for us. It did sound like you said goats are always present. Goats. Well, it's two girls, one goat around here. That's what some people think. Gross. Gross. I do want to talk about this real quick because I feel like you and I have spent a lot of time talking about this and we've said it out loud on the podcast before. We have committed to practicing and tapping into our abilities. Mm -hmm. And we've done some work on it. And I think we've done a lot of independent study work on it. But I feel like we should start documenting it on the podcast and talking very openly about it. Because then not only does it hold us accountable, I think for other people who are on this journey it will be interesting for people to hear. So, right. Especially because I do think it feels very intimidating to say, I want to be open and I want to be more spiritually in tune in my practices. And then you just see someone suddenly starting to have all these experiences and you're like, well, how did you get from point A to point B? So I think that's what we're, we're going to start documenting. Here's what I'm doing. And what are your goals? Okay. I have a few. Okay. Here here are like five things that I'm going to say them out loud because I'm going to hold myself accountable to them. Mm-hmm. One, at the beginning of the year, we went and met with so many different tarot readers and, and had our cards done. Pretty much every single time, my spirit guides were like, hey, you can unlock some stuff, but you need to start journaling. And I don't want to journal. And so I haven't. I'm going to. I'm going to. I think the fact that they said it like five times. Well, does this count as journaling? I don't know. Because vocalizing, you can journal in the same way. So why don't we... This could count as journaling if we actively speak about our experiences. I was going to journal about like things that hurt me in my life and then just burn them in a fire. Oh, 
So that's my plan. I'm going to start doing that. I also said I wanted to redo my Reiki level one class and keep going with it. I said I was going to do it, but then all of the classes that I was looking into conflicted with our tour. So when we come back, I'm actually going to do it. That's another one. Okay. Once I'm in my new home, I'm also going to be very into... I've already started planning and like looking into doing a lot of research on this. I'm going to get very into like herbalism. Mm. I'm super interested in that. And then the fourth thing I really am super interested in and want to do is I want to like just a fun party trick, reading tea leaves. (gasps) I'm into that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Claire Goodchild. I feel like Claire is someone we should speak with because she reads tea leaves. Yeah. I'm subscribed to her newsletter. Yeah. I got to start copying everything she does. We need like kind of how like Taylor and Morgan of Creeps and Crimes have Susan. I feel like we need... We have Sven and we love you, Sven. There's no, we're not trying to replace you. I'm just letting that out there. We need to find ourselves like a witch mentor. I feel like we have that through Discord and through our phantoms. We just really need to start utilizing it and being really active participants. Yeah. And I feel like we're also going to get some of that. Like when you were going to postural therapy, you had some of that. I think... I'll have a lot of that when I go to do Reiki. Yeah. And I think we just got to find the things that are our things that interest us. So what are you, what are your plans for now? Yeah. Good question. I think so much of my last year has been focused on my mental health and my own emotional healing mm-hmm. and getting through my Saturn return, which I really feel like I have come out the other end of, which is awesome. And so with that, I feel like I'm spending a lot more time getting in touch with just grounding myself. I've been going to the ocean. I've been giving my negative energies to the water and cleansing myself. I would love to tap into astral traveling and lucid dreaming. And I would love to be able to communicate with my spirit guides. And I think that is one of the biggest things that I want to get in touch with. Because I think once I can do that, the paranormal world opens up. Yeah, I agree. You know, not to take your thing and make it mine, because I certainly (laughs) don't want to do that. But I guess the spirituality is for everybody. What's mine is yours. It's all for everybody. But I feel like you and I should be kind of like Houdini and his wife, where you do practice a lot of the astral projecting with me. And we can confirm whether you're doing it or not. And given that I've accidentally done it one time, perhaps there's a version where you and I are doing this more. Astral travel together. I would love to get into some of the premonitions that I've previously had before and understand them a little bit more as well. That's the other thing. So I I think I mentioned this to you on one of our episodes, but when I was at the Normal Gossip show, they did like this Mad Lib segment and they had audience members come up and help like fill in the blanks. And I was having this really surreal experience where... And this has happened before where I know what someone's going to say before they say it, but it almost happened so quick that it's like, whoa, how did that happen? And then I don't, and I move on. But this happened, they did three Mad Libs with three different audience members and it continuously happened. You just knew. Over and over. I knew what words they were going to say. And they were random. Like one was like gorilla, um, 
turtle. Like I, I, I'm saying animals, but like it just kept happening. And I was like, okay, one time is weird. Don't you regret not whispering to the person next to you what you thought it was going yeah. to be? I'm like, why didn't I just say it out loud? Cause I thought I was, that's what I thought it was going to be. It just happened to me the other day too, where I asked him a question and then I, the answer immediately went in my head and I almost said it out loud. Like, would you go here? And they, they answered it. And I was like, that's so freaky. Cause it literally, that word just came into my head like eight times over, like boom, 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 boom. And then you just said that. But it's like, does that person even believe you? Because right. it's so quick. And how does that work? I feel like you and I should spend some time before we go on stage for our shows, we should spend some time like trying to connect our brains and do, I think it's going to be improv games, but also a little bit of mind reading to prep ourselves for, to, to be really in tune and connected on stage. Also, can we just discuss for a second that I think you did Asheville travel in some sort of way the other night, because I got an email saying that you RSVP'd for my wedding. Corinne, that was not me. That was 100% someone who listens to our podcast, who was checking out your website and wanted to see all the events and use Fuck. my name. I, I was thinking it was password protected. It's not. You're right. You're right. Someone RSVP'd for you. This is such a little... I feel like we're going on ghostly tangents right now, but we had a conversation and we are going to be on Lindsay... Lindsay's podcast called The Chilling Podcast. I don't know what date we'll let you know when it comes out, but we were having a conversation with Lindsay and Lindsay has psychic medium abilities. And she said that there's a spirit around me named Howard. Yeah. Well, we were presuming it was because she didn't know exactly where it was coming from, but we, we were guessing. I said it was probably from you because we've had so many EVPs and spirit activity happen around you in this new place. And even the place that you were in before when we were recording with Sinisterhood. And it was while I was talking. Yeah. While you were telling a story. Exactly. So there's someone, there's someone there. Hi, Howard. Everyone say hi. Hi, Howard. Everyone say hello to Howard. Hi, Howard. Hi, Howard. <laughs> Everyone give a wave. Wait, what? What? Stop. You're scaring me. Why are you looking? Speak now. I'm speaking. Shush. <laughs> you're not though. You're going, wait, and your eyes are wide and you're staring at the camera. What's behind me? Nothing's behind you. It sounded like, <laughs> do you like how I shushed you? I wasn't even talking at that point either. I was like, you talk. And you were like, I am. I was shush. like, shush. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think, okay. So I'll have to re-listen to it. It was maybe an echo in my um, headphones, but it sounded like your voice saying, Hey, Howard twice. I did like say over each other, but oh, like oh, at the same time. Weird. Yeah. Strange. This whole podcast is strange. And we have a strange tale for you this week. I can't wait. Okay. Okay. All right, everyone sit back, relax, because I'm going to bring you through an immersive oh. experience. Lay down and pretend this is you. I'm going to think. Okay. It's a summer night and the sun has set, settled just below the horizon. The frogs and crickets sing in unison. The air is still warm in your lungs. You finish your last sip of herbal tea and decide to slip into bed. The sheets feel cool against your skin. They smell like the outside air, having gently blown in the breeze earlier that day. Today was a good day. 
and sleep will find you soon. You can't remember when you fell asleep, but you just know that now it is much later. Your room, completely dark, illuminated only slightly by splinters of moonlight reaching through your blinds. You attempt to turn onto your side, but you can't. You're stuck. You try to move your finger, but your body won't listen. You're paralyzed. And suddenly, you become aware of what may have woken you. Something is in the house. This started so peaceful. <laughs> I know. Sorry. That's always how it starts. I feel like this is your version of sleep meditations where it's like, stretching <laughs> off to sleep. And then all of a sudden, you're paralyzed. And now you can't wake up. You're ripped back into your unconsciousness, entering the dream world once more. Everything in your dream feels normal, but you know this must be a nightmare. You're in the same house and nothing appears to be out of place, but you can't quite get past the overwhelming feeling of terror. Unseen eyes are burning into you. Your ears perk up and the skin on your arm shudders into a patch of goosebumps. You're being hunted, but by what? Suddenly, there's a small sound behind you, and you don't even have time to think about it before your body has taken you into a full sprint towards your bedroom door. You whip it open, racing into the hall, but come to a halt when you realize you're back in your bedroom. And so you run again for the door, feeling the monster looming more closely. And again, you find yourself back in the same room. Oh my gosh. Whatever is in here is keeping you prisoner. As your dream world begins to feel more and more disorienting, you fall back onto your bed, and that is when you see it. Hovering with its back to the ceiling of your bedroom wall, a human-like figure looks on, staring intently at you, laying beneath it. It's deeply red. It's missing all of its skin. You scream in fear, and suddenly you're awake again in your bed. But you still can't move. Your lips are slightly open, and a small whisper is escaping your breath. <laughs> but you're not screaming. You're dying. What? The being is now suspended inches from your face, inhaling deeply and taking your breath away. A single tear rolls down, down the side of your face as you realize what this creature is. The stories your mother told, the stories her mother told before her. Beware the boo hag. You frantically search your brain for memories of these stories. You thought it was just folklore, a legend told by your Gullah ancestors. But now your knowledge of this monster is all you have to save you. What do you do? First step, survive tonight. The boo hag relies on stealing your energy to keep it alive. It will try to take your breath away from you, to render you unconscious, to send you back into the dream world. And if you comply, you may just stay alive. It will view you as a resource and one that it will want to keep alive to come back to, to breathe from again. Should you choose to fight, it may view you as something else, a threat. The boo hag in its bloody red nakedness has no skin, but you do. Ah! <laughs> People who challenge the boo hag during an attack may never wake up again being skinned alive while kept captive in a paralyzed sleep state. Jeepers creepers, where'd you get those eyes? Jeepers creepers. Slinking into your skin, your hide will wrap tightly around it, allowing it to more easily blend in with the people around you. Surely you don't want to die, and surely you don't want this creature to gain access to your friends and family by disguising itself as you. You must stay alive, and so you allow it to take your breath away, to send you back into the dream world, to feed on your helpless body. In the morning, you will hatch a plan. This is what you will have to learn if you encounter the boo hag. Hmm. <laughs> okay, because... So we have talked about the boo hag just in passing before. We've never done a full episode. Yes. And hags. And hags. 
And I was not, maybe I was under the impression of old hag because the visuals that you gave me, the story you just really kindly painted and walked us through, um, immersed us into, as you will, is more terrifying than any other version. Yeah. So at the old hag that we've talked about before is when people experience sleep paralysis. It's a sleep paralysis demon that crouches. Usually it's depicted as something that crouches on your chest and it's just kind of like sitting on top of you, all crouched down and creepy like. But the boo hag is specifically from the Gullah Geechee people. So I'll tell you a little bit about how this came about and then we'll learn what to do to save yourself. Okay. If you ever find yourself victim. Oh, so you can. You can. You can. Okay. This kind of reminds me of the back rooms, the way you were talking about like continuously showing, like ending up back in your room, back in your room, back in your room. And like the only way to is like submit. Yeah. So that was some creative liberty on my part, because basically what was said was you'll just have really weird, disorienting dreams. And so I, in my mind, I pictured that being very disorienting to like constantly run away and find yourself at the beginning of the room again. Okay. So it could be different for everyone. It could be different for everyone. I assume if it happens to me, that's what I will experience. Gotcha. So the Gullah Geechee people are descendants of the enslaved Africans from several tribes from West and Central Africa. These people were kidnapped and enslaved, brought to America, and forced to work on the coastal plantations in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And... A few years ago, three years ago, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, and I attended a talk from a woman who descended. She was a Golagichi. She descended from people who were slaves in the area. And she told, Marissa was on the, on the tour with me and on this trip, she told us some really interesting information. And the seacoast of the South has many diverging waterways and islands, which made it very difficult for people to travel from these coastal lands and islands to the mainland. And as a result, people very rarely left. And so instead, these various African groups blended their languages together with English, creating this very unique dialect and this very unique culture because they also blended their arts, their crafts, their folklore, etc. all together. And that is now who we see as the Gullah Geechee people who still, many of them and their, their descendants still live in the area. Gotcha. So she told us this information. And then we learned about why so many porch ceilings in the area are painted sky blue. And we've talked about this on our podcast before, I think once. Have we? About this specifically? I thought I maybe brought it up three years ago after I had just learned it. Okay. Well, then I would not remember something from three years ago. (laughs) Okay. Well, so basically in the South, when you go to the South or when you think of a Southern porch, you might think of like a white house and the porch on the front, like the the top of it's painted this sort of light sky blue. And the presence of the blue paint in South has a very long and upsetting history, relying heavily on slaves. And basically when the European colonists came to America, they tried many different crops out to see which one would grow most easily and provide the most profit. And at the time, indigo was a crop that's blue or indigo dye. That's the color indigo. Mm -hmm. The dye came from these plants And it was very, very sought after, yet it was extremely labor intensive. So there was a lot of reward with how much money you could make from it, but it wasn't exactly a super easy plant to cultivate. So at this point, various African cultures, they had experience with indigo for almost half a millennia. So the colonists then, and slave owners, enslaved these African people and forced them to cultivate this crop, the indigo plant, which became the biggest exploited item from the new world for at least a few years. 
Oh. So I had learned or what I had heard originally was that the indigo color was used to paint porches to trick insects into thinking that it was the sky, which if it's the sky, these insects aren't going to be like, yeah, let me set up a nest because they're going to be like, it's the sky. I can't set up my wasp nest here. You know, so I was thinking it was more of like a practical reason because that's what I had originally been told. But the origins of the blue porch ceilings originated from the Gullah people who believed that ghosts were not able to cross water. And by painting your ceiling, your doors, or your windows blue, the ghosts wouldn't be able to cross the barrier and enter your home. Oh. This color blue would be known as haint blue and haint means spirit in the Gullah language. And it's usually used to address more malevolent poltergeists. So blue is a very sacred an important part of creating a safe and demon-free environment for the Gullah Geechee people. And many people place blue bottles or, or glass dyed with indigo or in the blue color on the end of tree branches, which are said to, well, sometimes they're referred to as bottle trees. So you can look up a picture of that too. I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's said that if a bottle begins to ring, that means a spirit has been captured inside, but I don't know what you're supposed to do with it, with the bottle once there's a spirit inside. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. This is so fascinating to me because, you know, just earlier today, you and I were recording an episode with Petty Crimes and we were speaking about how water is a conduit, a conductor to paranormal energies. But now this is a belief saying that water is supposed to prevent spirits from passing through. Yeah. And it's it, it brings up kind of a great debate of the paranormal and how it works. And it's almost as if whatever you believe is what you create in the afterlife. Like if you were... Totally. If you this was your belief in life, then in the afterlife, you would avoid water. Like you would stay away from it. It is interesting. And I feel like this comes up in near-death experience accounts too, where it's like whatever you believe is what you experience after death. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It's interesting. And it does make me also wonder... Yeah, I don't know. There's so many questions. Because I, now I was thinking, La Llorona too. There's so many different things. And maybe culturally, it depends to whatever a certain culture believes, that's what they experience. And so for the Gullah Geechee people, you can avoid a lot of spirit activity or bad spirits, I guess, by using that color paint on the entry points of your home. And so while some people believe that this is simply a superstition, the Gullah Geechee people are not going to take any chances, especially if there's a boo hag around. The Boo Hag is a witch originating from the Gullah culture. It's almost like a mix of a sleep paralysis demon and a vampire, or like you, what you were saying, a dementor, because it lives off the breath of others, similar to like vampires live off the blood of others, and it wanders the streets in disguise in the skin of its last victim. Ah, uh, it's kind of like the Mananangal too. It is like the Mananangal and the Tokolosh from South Africa. They wear people's skin. They're all related. I feel like they're all cousins and they yeah. have like family reunions every year. And they're like, all right, what have you been doing? What can I take from you? What can you take from me? <sighs> yeah. They have like creative me board meetings every month. And they're like, what new trick do you have up your sleeve? Oh, skin suit. That'll work for me. I would love to be privy to that. I'm picturing the scene in The Witches where they're in the hotel having their witch conference. Oh, yes. Oh, God, I loved that movie. So scary. But Octavia Spencer was amazing. So was so was everyone in it. Yeah. In Gullah Geechee culture, they believe that people have both a spirit and a soul. And once you die, your soul ascends to heaven or hell. 
wherever respectively like you're you belong <laughs> and your spirit stays behind to help your descendants oh, that's really beautiful so similar to like how we or what you were saying where like you when you like pray or or have wishes for the universe you direct them towards you call upon your ancestors they believe the spirit of their ancestors are still there to help them but those who lived evil lives those spirits that still stay do not stay as an ancestral guide but rather they mutate into a boo hag so it's kind of like shadow people yeah similar there's so many different examples too of like some of the creatures whose names we're not supposed to say out loud you know there's there's a lot of theories that are similar in terms of how spirits are created yeah even the bell witch i it was one of the earliest episodes that we had and i still go back to that story all the time where it's just like there was the bad part of this woman splintered off and created this horrible entity and it sounds like boo hags are similar like the evil that was once part of someone if there was so much evil they morph into a boo hag takes on its own form mm -hmm. so hags and other cultures have other variations and various legends behind them but a lot of them have morphed over time including the boo hag as it's gained traction so some say this is a vengeful spirit of a woman who died during childbirth and was mistreated other people say that this is a spirit conjured by people practicing dark magic some people believe it's a woman who is so obsessed with her appearance that she made a pact with the devil for eternal youth and some say it's the spirit of a woman who was murdered and left in a swamp to rot and then some believe that it's it's the bad part of you splintering off or, or staying if you are an evil person so what creates a boo hag is all over the place can we unpack the the woman making a deal with the devil for eternal youth because she got the bad end of the deal if that is what it was she shows up skinned and red and fleshy and raw looking for her well it's it was basically so i left out part of it it was that she made a pact with the devil for eternal youth in exchange for her baby so she like gave birth and basically like killed the child for the devil and then because she did this evil thing she was essentially tricked by the devil to to gain this little innocent baby's life and then she was basically punished by like an eternal life of being hideous and grotesque and became this evil thing searching for a skin suit that would make her feel human again good old skin suit not great not great but i believe the main the main thing with the gulagichi people although there's so many variations of hags and boo hags I think that what I was reading was that it is this person whose spirit, someone whose evil, whose spirit has remained and morphed into this creature. Gotcha. Gotcha. Similar to a doppelganger or a flesh pedestrian, the boo hag is thought to be a master of disguise when wearing its skin suit. Without the suit, the boo hag is a skinless creature with red muscles, blue veins, eyes that reflect like cats, and sometimes flowing white hair. I'm picturing like... Gollum-y, like PC stringy hair. Ugh. Yeah. I was reading too that, that that part of the legend might have been from the observation that when bodies, when people die, hair continues to grow for a little bit and continues to be generated. So that was potentially something that contributed to that part of the legend. Gotcha. It operates mostly at night. 
Though during the day, it is still active, often milling about, walking around the streets, interacting with others, even hanging out with your your friends, your family, your lovers in the comfort of its skin suit disguise. And there were so many different warnings and stories that were like, beware who you marry because you might marry a boo hag or like if your spouse is suddenly acting weird and different, perhaps they were killed and it's actually the boo hag wearing their skin suit next to you. Oh my gosh. Things like that. So while human skin allows this being to still walk among us, the skin suit provides no actual sustenance. So it's truly just just a disguise. But when the Buhag becomes hungry again, it must hunt for its next victim using witchcraft and evil magic to torment innocent people because it must feed. So how long does a skin suit last for? Do we know? Like how soon after? It could last forever. Oh, So why would they need to go again? Well, because if something happens to their skin suit, which is one of the defenses against a Buhag, a way to defeat them, then they might, they would have to search for another one. Okay. So I'll tell you, really, there's no way that I was reading, at least, that you can fully get rid of a Buhag. You can basically just pass it along to someone else, essentially, just get rid of it from your life. It's like it follows. But yeah, but it doesn't, it's not gone from the earth. Okay. So it just unfortunately is probably tormenting someone else. Okay, so walking in its skin suit up to a house, it can easily case the place and look for points of entry. A small hole, a tiny crack, a keyhole that is needed to get in. So if you don't have that blue paint around, just the tiniest little crack, it just like a little wisp of a, of a demon, just rubbery, airy state just kind of slithers on through this tiny crack into your home. It will slip out of its human suit to do so if it's currently wearing one, but otherwise if it's just coming at night and it's red, fleshy, muscly openness. Wounds. Yeah. Uh, it will just find its way in. Uh. It waits for night to fall, for a person to fall asleep, and then it will get into position. Riding quote, unquote, riding its victim by hovering just above the person and sucking the breath out of them. While under attack, the person will usually experience very vivid and intoxicating nightmares. And if they wake up, they will be stuck in sleep paralysis, aware of what's happening, but unable to do much more. In the event that they're able to fight back, the Buhag will likely lull them back into slumber deeper and deeper until they're either close to death or dead, and then remove the person's skin to wear as their next disguise. So my question surgically here. Mm -hmm. Is this removing of the human skin? Is it physical, like a literal or a a metaphorical, this buhag kind of like spiritually possesses the body? Or are they taking like a scalpel and cutting off the skin, peeling it back and putting it on their own strange body? The latter. They're skinning, skinning you like a hide, like creating the hide from your body and wearing it. And then they leave your skinless body behind? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's one way to know you have a boo-hag problem. You find your family member skinned. Jeez. Yeah, it's pretty dark. It's pretty gross. It's very awful. A little dark, just a tad. Here's the thing. It's one of those confusing things where it's like the warning is basically don't fight back when you're being attacked. You have to fight back in another way once you're awake and have survived the night. But if you do fight back during an attack, that is when it could take decide that it, it's not worth it to just keep feeding off of you and stealing your breath night after night, that actually you're just too difficult and it will just skin you, kill you. Ah. So don't fight back. If this happens to you in the middle of the night, I guess, 
if it's a buhag. If you do survive skin intact, the buhag will likely come back for you. So when you wake up, if you survive this, you will likely feel dizzy. You'll likely feel out of breath, but you must muster up enough strength to get straight to work because the buhag will likely take up shop in your house. It will be lurking somewhere, hiding somewhere, and it will return to your bedroom the next time its energy is low, hoping to suck the life force from you once more. Is this why I'm tired every morning? Is this why I'm like so... like I've been texting you nonstop about how tired and how drained I am. Are you having like really vivid and intoxicating and disorienting dreams? I mean, I have been having really vivid dreams. It's possible. Maybe get maybe get a blanket that is haint blue and cover yourself with it at night. Your bed sheets. It's kind of hot though. Just get bed sheets that are are it's the prettiest blue. It's like a really light sky blue. Okay. Actually, my sheets do have blue on them. Baby blue. They do have baby blue on them. I don't know. There's something something or maybe you're just astral projecting and don't even know it. You're just so busy that you wake up and you're like, I'm exhausted. And it's because you actually have been astral projecting. You just aren't aware and you're busy. You're doing things. And my astral self has like a busy social calendar and it's like, you're so, you work too hard in your physical life. So I'm going to go party in my astral plane and leave your physical body freaking tired. So tired. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I hope it's not the boo hag. I surely hope no, it's I not. not either. <laughs> okay. Well, so obviously this is very horrifying and obviously you don't want to encounter the boo hag, but luckily there is something you can do, but it's not that easy. So what you have to do is you have to get up and you have to get to work. So take that sick day and uh, solve your problem. You have to investigate your home and surrounding land for where the boo hag will be storing its skin suit. So it's somewhere on the property. It's It doesn't hide it deep in the woods off your property. It wants it close by because it's going to use it all the time. Apparently, these things are creatures of habit. So while this could be kind of a difficult journey to try to find its skin suit when it kind of sheds it for like a little break and wanders around in its red, gross state, uh, it will most likely hide its skin suit under the stairs. So if you have stairs, if you have a second story to your home, if you have a cellar, anything like that, check the stairs because most likely you'll find it there first. Interesting. I'm just picturing like, is it standing up like a suit of armor? Ah, uh, no. It, well, maybe, but in all the cartoon and <laughs> like photo depictions, it kind of looked like a, like a wrinkled little suit. Like if you picture like at the head and just kind of shimming it off of your shoulders and down is all scrunched up like that. Super gross. Do you think it has to take it off to go to the bathroom? Like kind of like when you wear like a, a onesie or a jumpsuit? I think so. Because it sounds like the boohag doesn't... It honestly sounds like from all the stories I read, the boohag doesn't make it even a full day without having to take the suit off at least for a little bit of time. Okay. So you'll have an opportunity. You just have to figure out when it is. Okay. So once you find it, then what? Once you find it, you have to fill the suit. You have to touch the skin suit and you have to fill it with salt and pepper. And when the boo hag goes to enter its skin suit again, it won't be able to fit and it will be in such a vulnerable state, not knowing what to do with this salt and pepper suit that's like all dehydrated and gross now, as if it weren't gross before. Seasoned. It's seasoned and they don't like it. 
they will likely slink away and look for an easier home and a new skin suit. So it becomes not your problem, but it does become someone else's. So why then in that situation would they not take your skin? I think because the belief here is that you clearly know what you're doing. You're clearly aware of the boo hag and it would just be easier for it to move next door or somewhere else and find a skin suit than try to battle with you. Because you've outsmarted it and you know it's there. Yes. And also, here's another reason. This is actually a big reason. I misled you a little bit earlier when I was like, there's no way for you to defeat the boo hag. There kind of is. And that it's, well, I guess it's still up to chance. But basically, you've ruined their skin suit and they have to find another skin suit by dawn or be trapped forever without skin. And so I believe it can only feed on you if you're asleep. So let's say you're in your house, you fill up the boo hag suit with salt and pepper. It comes back, it can't get in its suit and you stay up all night. You never fall asleep until dawn. That thing, if it hasn't already left its, left your house, like it's a goner, it's, it's toast. So I think it's a lot easier for it to just go find whoever's sleeping nearby. So it really is like the Mananangal because they similarly have to like shed themselves of their lower body when they go hunting and then they have to return to it before sunrise. Yeah. We love a time-bound spirit. Yes. The ticking clock. Yeah. You can't be evil forever. Time is on our side sometimes. You can be evil forever if you want to be. Okay. (laughs) If you want to. But goodness prevails. There we go. That's what I was waiting for. Okay. So also what I found interesting is that there's often a song or a jingle that goes along with the boo hag trying to get back in their suit. There's so many different variations, but one of them that I read online was, I done been out and had my fun, but I'm back now and my work's all done. So let me in skin for the sun's about to crest. You knows I'm a boo hag and I needs my rest. I'm obsessed. There's so many fun ones. And I love to think that they're just like singing to their skin suit. That's like, you know, in Hocus Pocus, like boo and like book comes alive. That's what I picture. Like the skin suit just kind of rising above them and eventually just locking into place. Will you sing it one more time? Okay. I done been out and had some fun, but I'm back now and my work's all done. So let me in skin for the sun's about to crest. He knows I'm a boo hag and I needs my rest. Obsessed obsessed. There's so many versions too. And I was like, is this something that is just creative writing by who the, whoever's writing these accounts of the boo hag or are these jingles that there's like five different jingles that the boo hag sings? I want so badly the boo hags to put out a, like a kid's bops, but a boo hag's (laughs) bops. And there's like visuals and you have like the little like boo hag jumping from word to word that you can sing along with. Oh my God. I feel like that would summon them. I would not play that. But it's just so fun. It is so fun. I needs my rest. I needs my rest. So if you're like, wow, this sounds very intimidating. What if I can't find the skin suit? This is absolutely terrifying. Worry not because there are some reinforcements that you can call upon to help you. You can call upon a conjure man, also called conjure doctor or a root worker who knows the art of hoodoo. Hoodoo is a religious tradition created by the enslaved African-Americans in the U.S. And the conjure men, they help you or they can help you rid yourself of a boo hag and really any other spiritual entity for that matter. And there are still many active root workers practicing in the Carolinas today and in the areas of the coastal South. So if you need them, call them. Additionally, 
If you place a broom beside your bed before going to sleep, it will also likely prevent a boohag from riding you if it finds you, as they're supposedly distracted by the straw and counting the numbers of straw, which we've heard before and I couldn't remember exactly which creature it was. Was it like the tokolosh or something that counted something or like the, the broom bristles? Maybe it was another variation of of a hag. But there's ways to trick them. I'm trying to think because I know that the broom, the broom is supposed to also just help generally keep spirits away if you put it at your front door. Yeah. Or you flip your broom over when you want your company to leave. Yes. Um, did I hear you say something about math? I said there's a way to trick them and it's with math. Are you a boo hag? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I hope not. You you chose a beautiful suit if you are. I was going to say, I'm shocked I haven't figured out a way to get another one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Get out of here. Live a life every day in someone else's shoes. Sounds kind of nice. I'd be real cultured. I'd be the most cultured hag out there. <laughs> so empathetic. So understanding. You already are. Well, I don't think I'm a boo hag. No. I don't think boo hags are doing it for empathy. I think they're doing it for life force. For life force. Yeah. Well, so I have retinol for that. I'm trying to remember to use it. <laughs> so far, my skin suit's just kind of naturally wrinkling and that's okay. That's life. That's life. That's life. Okay, so over the years, this creature has gained traction outside of the Gullah culture with people experiencing sleep paralysis and other paranormal activity and searching for answers about it like us on this podcast. The boo hag has also been used to teach kids about stranger danger as the boo hag could be walking among us, a stranger to you and wishing you harm. And an occasional expression in South Carolina is don't let the hag ride ya, which I assume means something like sleep well or good luck or make good choices. I don't really know. <laughs> don't let the bed bugs bite type of thing. Don't let the bed bugs bite. But I also envision that this is, I feel like we should adopt this a little bit for this fall tour that we have, especially because we have such a big leg in the South. And I want this to be our new well wishes for tour. So instead of like break a leg, we're like, don't let the hag ride you. Mm. Especially because we have so many spirits that join us on stage. I like that. So I feel like we need that. Don't let the hag ride ya. Don't let the hag ride ya. It just sounds so incubus and succubus, like the the way, I don't know. I know because they're using the word ride and we associate that with sexual acts. Taking you for a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. But it really does. I mean, it hovers above you. It doesn't physically touch you from what I've read, but it, it sucks your life force from you. It does suck your soul away. All right. Well, so that's the story or rather warning about the boo hag. An entity who's out there, who's lurking, waiting for its perfect disguise. And uh, your skin is looking awfully warm and cozy. So don't let the hag ride you. So basically, you're advising all of us to not use retinol, to let your skin wrinkle, and don't take care of your skin so that the boo hag is not attracted to yours. I guess. Although, honestly, I don't think it's too picky. I think if you have skin, it wants it. So we're all doomed. We're all doomed. I'm going to send you a picture now, Sabrina, because this is the wildest thing that I've ever seen. And I feel like we have to bring this up. I'm really scared. Is it about no, my No, no, no. Sorry. Okay. Let me, let me preface this by saying, so when I was looking up stories about the boo hag, there were so many stories about just like the hag in general and different variations of the hag. And there is a photo depiction. It is of a hag. It's from 1920 Arthur Rackham illustration for the Irish fairy tale, The Hag of the Mill. 
Okay. This hag, let me show you this picture. Where have you seen this hag before? I've seen this before. Basically, I just sent you another picture because this is what, to me, it looks exactly the same. (gasps) Doesn't it? Okay. So I sent you a picture. We'll put it in the YouTube and we'll put it on social media, but... Oh my God, the plastic bag and everything. The plastic bag and everything. Oh my gosh. This photo of the hag from 1920 looks so much like the photo one of our listeners sent us for an Encounters episode that we read where they had sex or rather their friend had sex with a fae creature, a fairy. And the cloak, the face, the plastic bag, everything is the same. Isn't that creepy? I'm shook. Right? I looked at this and I was startled. I was like, I feel like this is a warning. I shouldn't be talking about a boo hag. Not that this is a boo hag. This is just a hag from an Irish fairy tale. Fairy tale. Sex with a fairy. I'm so... It's interesting, right? Because like the way that this listener told the story, like it was this stunning woman in the water with them. And then the next morning, if we're saying in speaking in boo hag terms, it almost wore its skin at night and then stripped itself of it during the day, which is backwards. Yeah. I would, yeah. It's freaky. I mean, here's the thing. Hags, whether they're fairies or demons or sleep paralysis creatures and entities, like they're scary. And so to experience sleep paralysis, to experience the threat of your life force being taken from you, to experience being tricked by someone who you thought was one way and is actually another in disguise, you know, it's, it's all a warning for us to try to stay safe. And I just felt like this was so freaky. The paranormal world just can continues to freak me out. And there is so much we just don't have any knowledge of. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what's lurking because there could be a whole lot that we have. Well, we don't see half the things, more than half the things. We don't know what we don't know. So we don't know what we don't see. We don't know what we don't hear. We don't know what is around us. We just know that you should not let the hag ride (laughs) you. Try not to. Not that, like, who has that much control to stop it? I don't know, but... I feel like we need to adopt, I think it's like Kim Kardashian, who in her home, there are no switches or outlets or anything on the walls. How? Does she... Oh, please don't tell me she has like a clap on light. I think it's all controlled by like an app or something. I don't know. I was like, oh my God, she fell victim to the infomercials 20 years ago where you clap your lights (laughs) off. (laughs) But no, now I'm picturing like just caulking every hole and gap and only doing like fob key key fobs to get into anything. Yeah. No keyholes. That was so freaky. No keyholes. Anyway. Well, that's the boo hag for you. Well, I have a listener story. I would say I was tempted to say great, but I feel like it's not great that someone experienced something spooky like this. Well, so I went more the sleep paralysis route because we didn't have anything specific boo hag and sleep paralysis, we say is very much attributed to like the old hag. And so I went that route and it does end with, so this is from our listener, Justin, and there's two stories and Justin subject line is a demon for Sabrina, a heartwarming story for Corinne. Thank you. 
And then potential answers to episode 207, which I don't know what episode that is. Hi, ghouls, cats, and ghosts. My name is Justin, and I started TGOG from episode one in May of 2023, and I'm almost caught up. Needless to say, I love the podcast, especially the precast banter because y'all are funny as hell. Y'all have been keeping me sane during the insanely hot summer we are having in Texas. This email is a little long, but I promise it is so worth it. I was just listening to episode 207 while sitting at work and y'all had so many science questions. So I thought it was finally time to send this email. I am an astrophysicist and a statistics PhD student here in Texas and would love, love, love to talk about where elements come from and how we use elements and whether the number of atoms on earth stays constant or changes. There are questions that a lot of people in my profession scoff at, but these are important questions that keep us grounded. If y'all want to reach out to me, I would be more than happy to type or talk about these things with you because I love talking to people about science and ghosts. Fun. So fun. Smarty pants, Justin pants. Let's, uh, let's talk physics. Uh, yeah. We'll see how much I understand. We would be like, whoa. <laughs> Can you explain that for a two-year-old, please? I want to just lay on the grass and look at the sky as he explains this to us. Just have my mind blown. Okay. The first story. A sleep paralysis demon that travels the country. This one requires a bit of setup. All through my childhood in high school, my family would heat our house with a giant wood-burning furnace in the basement. Not spooky, right? (laughs) The bottom of the stairs to the second floor was right above this furnace. So when I started hearing the stairs creak, first the bottom step, then the second step, all the way to the landing right outside my bedroom, I thought nothing of it. It's just the wood expanding because of the wood furnace, right? So eventually, I just ignored this chill-inducing whatever, walking up the stairs and stopping at the landing right next to my bedroom. Shortly after this started, I started waking up in the middle of the night, completely unable to move. And standing in the corner of my bedroom would be this seven-foot-tall, four-foot-wide black hooded figure that would just stand there facing me. Ugh. Imagine the mountain from Game of Thrones, as if he had put on a Dementor costume. Fucking terrifying. Jeez. This went on for years until one night, probably when I was about 16 or 17, I heard my bed creak while I was sleeping. I wake up completely paralyzed once again, and I see that the figure has moved to the foot of my bed. Night after night, this thing would slowly rotate itself over me and float above me while pressing me into my bed until one night I couldn't breathe from the weight of it on top of me. Oh gosh. I had enough at this point, and even though I hadn't been to church since I was about 12, I went straight to the rectory at my old church and told the priest everything. He and I still saw each other around town, and he was a wonderful human being, so I figured I could trust him with this. He gave me a bottle of holy water that he blessed that morning and told me to just keep it near my bed for a few nights to see if anything changed. Well, I have never had sleep paralysis ever again, ever, but it's not over yet. I then went to see Father Albert on a Wednesday. And that Saturday, my cousin called me from San Diego, California, and he told me that on Wednesday night, the same day that I had seen Father Albert, my cousin woke up to see a giant black mass with glowing red eyes standing in his doorway. What the hell? They stared at each other for what felt like hours before the figure turned and walked down the hallway toward the stairs. My cousin heard this thing walk down the stairs and heard what sounded like muffled glass breaking and scratching on the walls. (sighs) 
Somehow my cousin was able to just go back to sleep despite being deep in his sleep paralysis hell. And when he woke up in the morning, geez, this is crazy. Okay. And when he woke up in the morning, every picture in the house was placed face down on the floor or turned to face the wall. Ew. And all of the crosses were hanging up Side down. Nope. This is when you know it's demonic. At this point, I am hyperventilating because I am certain I sent this thing to him. Mind you, I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at this point. So this thing blipped itself thousands of miles across the country to fuck with my cousin. I felt especially bad about this because the one picture that was broken only had broken glass where my cousin was standing in the picture. <sighs> oh, gosh, wait, isn't this like a... Is this in Paranormal Activity where there's something similar where it's like... I think Conjuring 2. Was it Conjuring 2? Enfield Poltergeist, I think. I think. Where there's a photo manipulated of someone where it's like either their face is scratched out or like burned or cut out or lined through it. But yeah, ugh, gross. Thankfully, my aunt was on board with this thing being a demon and I don't know what she did to get rid of it, but they are strong in their Christian faith. So I assume they prayed this thing back to hell and have never seen it again. I have no explanation for this other than a demon wanted to possess me or my cousin, or maybe it's been haunting my family for generations and only us two are sensitive enough to see it. I don't know, man, but I am glad neither of us have ever had to deal with it again. Okay. A heartwarming encounter. This is from my brother. Trigger warning, this does involve the death of a family member and describing a car accident. When I was 14, my brother passed away in a terrible freak car accident. Oh, how awful. He was driving with a friend to the reception of his best friend's wedding when something in the road made his tires lose traction and his car started flipping down the road. We only know these details because there were more of our friends in cars right behind my brother when it happened. Tragically, my brother was trapped in the car and crushed And his other friend, on the other hand, was not wearing his seatbelt and was thrown from the car. But his friend walked away with only scratches and a few bruises. This is not an anti-seatbelt story. Wear your damn seatbelt, people. And drive safe, especially in Texas, because y'all drive like maniacs. Anyway, my cousin and I, the same cousin from the previous story, were driving to see one of his friends from high school. At the time, I drove almost the same exact car that my brother was driving when he passed away. His was a Pontiac Firebird, and I drove a 2001 Camaro, almost identical body types. So my cousin and I were driving and we were talking about my brother, Jason. My cousin suddenly got really quiet and was hovering his hand by the armrest between us. He said, do you feel how cold it is right here? I reached down to where his hand was and it was ice cold. (sighs) This was the middle of the summer and I had my AC off because it was nighttime and there was no reason it should have been this cold. Right as I felt this cold spot, both of us felt knees in the back of our seats as if someone really tall suddenly sat down in the very small space in the back seat of the car. My brother was six foot three and would have had to push his knees into the back seats to sit comfortably. Both of us just started crying because we knew my brother was in the car with us trying to comfort us. He was the type of person in life and I know that he continues to be that type of person in death. So those are my stories and I would love to hear what y'all think about the demon thing. Fuck that thing. That's what I think. LOL. Stay spooky, gals. I hope to see you on the other side. I hope to see you before then, but if not, I'll see you on the other side. Justin. Wow. I'm... Oh, man. I mean, the sleep paralysis demon thing, like, it it was surely that, 
right? Yeah, like there's no other, absolutely. what other explanation, especially because here's what I hate. I hate that this thing crossed from being what could have been thought to be a sleep paralysis demon, especially because it was like inching closer. He felt like he was like, this thing was on his chest. Like it's the classic old hag sleep paralysis demon where it's, it's suffocating you. You can't breathe. You're trapped. You can't move, but you're aware of what's around you. You see this thing lurking, but I hate that it moved from sleep paralysis to the real world isn't the right word because it's still the real world, but like, yeah, the, it manipulated everything in the house. Like everything was affected and it was a clear sign throughout all of the rooms that, yeah, this thing was powerful. This thing wished them harm. It had nefarious intent and it was evil. Here's my biggest thing with this is this demon clearly invested a lot of time and effort into haunting Justin to the point where, you know, it was, it first was creaking up the stairs and then it was slowly in the corner of the room and slowly at the foot of the bed, slowly rotating around closer and closer and closer, pushing down more pressure, more pressure. It took so much time and energy into like possessing, if that's what it was after Justin and Justin, just in time went to the priest and got this holy water and this demon blew a freaking fuse. It was so furious that it just threw all strategy out the freaking window. Forget taking your time. Forget strat, like, forget it. He was like, How dare you? I'm going to burst at the seams. Literally, go say hi to your cousin. And to be honest, he could have started haunting the cousin in this slow way. But because he went full out and was like, Let me flip all your crosses. <laughs> Yeah. He lost his opportunity there. I know. Which is, I'm glad. I'm glad for Justin and for Justin's cousin. Yeah. Well, obviously. Yeah, good riddance. Good riddance. But yeah, maybe it was... See, emotions get the best of us and even demons can't emotionally regulate at times. So it's okay. We're all learning. We're all trying our best. Good thing that the demon didn't succeed in that. But yeah, my gosh. And then his experience with his cousin where they felt the cold spot... I know. Near the armrest. I am sorry for your loss, Justin. That's so... I know. I can't even... How devastating and tragic, but it is really, really nice. And especially that they both, like, in that moment, they felt the knees. They almost didn't need to say anything. They knew it was Justin's brother. Right. Oh, and the cold spot in the middle, too, just like by the armrest, too, makes me feel like he was sitting back there, you know, the knees pressed into both of the seats and was just kind of like leaning forward to be a part of everything, to be right there with them, which is so sweet. And it's such a good sign too, because it's experience with someone else where you feel like you have someone confirming what you yourself suspect. And then it's also not startling or scary, right? Like it's a slow, the slow pressure into the back of the seat, just a cold spot of air. The presence is felt, the presence is known. But it's not startling. It's like a... Yeah, he doesn't mean to scare you and he didn't. He he did it in a way that he knew you guys would be receptive to. Yeah. Um Wow. Thanks for ending on a on a sweeter one. A visitation from a loved one, not a boo hag. Yeah. After a terrifying episode all about boo hag. <laughs> um I'm curious if you if people, our listeners, have experienced the boo hag. I have never had sleep paralysis, knock on wood. I hope to never have sleep paralysis, but I it's common and people see this like dark whether it's the old hag, boo hag, people experience figures causing paralysis in their sleep. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Well, that's another thing that's so wild too, is that 
there's a scientific or medical explanation as to what sleep paralysis could be, but there's no explanation as to why people from all different parts of the world in all different belief systems and cultures experience the same visions during sleep paralysis. And so that is what makes it paranormal. Maybe we're entering a state in our minds and that can be explained with what is happening chemically in our brains, but how it's interpreted and what it gives us access to, that is paranormal. I agree. Well, folks, don't let the hag ride you and please come see us at our live show. (laughs) Two takeaways from today's episode. Mm -hmm. And then let us know what spiritual journey you are on if uh, and what you're doing. And if you have any recommendations for Corinne and I on our journeys to becoming more in tune with the paranormal world in a positive and light-filled way. No negative, no dark magic over here. Nope. Because we can do this all together. We're on this journey with one another, hand in hand. Yes. We love you all. Please rate and review us on iTunes. You can join us on Patreon and get lost in the triangle, aka join the pyramid scheme, tell your friends about it. You know, you know the whole rodeo. You know the rodeo. And thank you to our team. We have an amazing group of people who help us further Two Girls, One Ghost along, especially given that we are now on the road for two months. So shout out to Loren, who's doing our socials, to Christina, who is helping with editing and doing all of the YouTube, the TikToks, the audio, and to Avery, who's helping with so many of the logistics of the tour and so much more as well. And shout out to all of you, our phantoms. We love you all. And we will. See you on the other side. Very special.